Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Dr. Marilyn Schlitz is the president and CEO of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, IONS, which is also the current sponsor of the, current, of the Authentic Living Show, who through her work as a clinical research scientist, medical anthropologist, writer, speaker, and thought leader has pioneered clinical and field-based research in the area of human transformation, consciousness studies, worldview literacy, and cultural healing for more than three decades. She's also senior scientist at the Research Institute, California Pacific Medical Center in San Francisco. Dr. Schlitz has published hundreds of articles and several books on consciousness studies. She's a visionary leader and an engaging speaker whose books include Consciousness and Healing, Integral Approaches to Mind-Body Medicine, and Living Deeply, The Art and Science of Transformation in Everyday Life. And today, we're going to be talking with her about how expanding consciousness transforms daily living. Welcome, Dr. Schlitz, to the Authentic Living Show. We're so glad to talk with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, wow. So we got just so much to talk about. And I, I guess we're a place to start. Um, you've defined consciousness transformation in Living Deeply as profound internal shifts that result in long-lasting changes in the way you experience yourself, others, and the world. We typically think that such transformation means we become a different person in much the same way that Scrooge became a different as a result of his Christmas Eve visitations. But you describe these more as a shift in perception. Can you explain what that means? Well, I think that right now we are living in a time of such enormous complexity and uh, acceleration. So we now have, you know, sources of information and and, uh, distractions you know, or attractions for our attention. You know, once we had just snail mail and voicemail, and now we have, you know, emails and texts and Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. And, you know, there are many, many things that are that are pulling us. And I also think that it's a time when different truth systems and belief systems are, are coming into contact with one another. And so you have, <laughs> on the one hand, the kind of, you know, dominant model of science and materialism that says the only valid truth is that which is outside of ourself and that we can, you know, measure and manipulate in some way. And and at the same time, we now have uh, an increase in access to the world's wisdom and spiritual traditions, which is offering us insights into the nature of our inner experiences. And, and so people, as they're trying to make sense of all the things that are changing right now and all the, the ways in which we're being pulled in different directions, I think are really hungry for uh, an understanding of, of really who they are and what their potentials might be and how do we stay grounded in the midst of all this, you know, confusion. Uh, one of the things that we've been working on in terms of the consciousness transformation work is how do we develop the inner skills that allow us to manage these outer complexities so that we can be more resilient and more capable as we're navigating the storms of you know, 21st century life. So when we talk about consciousness transformation, it's really how do we 
become more adaptive? How are we more capable of responding to the various influences? So that doesn't necessarily mean that we become profoundly different people. It means that we have, as you said, this capacity to shift our perspective, to recognize that something that looks like adversity through one lens of perception can be seen as an opportunity through another. Uh, I had an experience of in the middle of us doing our research on consciousness transformation leading up to our book, Living Deeply, um, in that process we interviewed 60 masters from different world traditions and and I was driving my son to his music lesson, and I um, was late, and I was, you know, racing to get there. And there was a, a woman walking across the street, and she had a dog in one hand and a dog carrier in the other, and she was weaving in and out of traffic and just blocking everything. And, you know, my first reaction was reaction. I was like, what is wrong with this woman? You know, what, what is wrong here? And, you know, that kind of road rage that springs up when something's not going your way. And, and all of a sudden, I I was able to remember some of the insights that we'd gotten from these masters from the different traditions about, you know, how we can just simply shift our perspective. And, and I realized in that moment something's wrong with this woman. And as soon as that shift happened from reactivity to compassion, I was able to breathe more deeply. I was able to slow down, let her pass. You know, we were a little late for the lesson, but, you know, it was not the end of the world. And so these kinds of little daily activities that we do where we make choices about how we're going to respond to something or how we perceive something um, become really fundamental uh, tools for us as we're trying to, you know, figure out how to manage all the, the diversity of, of interests. Absolutely. Yeah, so perspective then can be something we practice in the mundane, everyday world just to sort of shift that awareness a little bit to something else. I think so. And one of the people I'm really fond of um, is Phil Zimbardo. And his work, he's a emeritus professor now from Stanford, uh, and he has been very interested in how, you know, good people do bad things. So when we think about consciousness transformation, it's not all about love and light. You know, it doesn't always mean we end up better than we were before. There are ways in which people can transform in, in maladaptive or antisocial uh, forms. And, and so I think it's really important for us to recognize that where we place our attention, how we uh, project our intentions, uh, what is the social group that supports us as we're, you know, working to, you know, live our lives as best we can, all become incredibly important so that we can begin to make choices about where we're placing our attention that can enhance our lives rather than causing us suffering. Right, right. So in that process, I guess a, a basic fundamental understanding of what consciousness is is very important. You've defined it as a person's inner reality, whatever that is, and you've just said that what some people can transform into, you know, uh, people that are harming themselves and others. Um, so just a person's internal reality how does that relate to our dominant scientific thinking about the brain in general? Well, there's been this um, idea that all of our behaviors are, you know, hardwired into us. So whether it's in terms of our brain activity or our genes, uh, there's this notion that there isn't a lot we can do about it and that um, 
the kind of emotional experiences that we have or the thoughts we think or the um, desires that we feel uh, are all something that comes from our physical being. But what we're discovering today through some of the research that we're doing at IONS as well as our colleagues out in the field of positive psychology is really beginning to notice that uh, our attitudes, our beliefs, our emotions actually begin to shift our brain. So it's not just our brain shaping our behaviors, but our behaviors shape our brain. Uh, there's some phenomenally interesting work in, in the neurosciences where, you know, we see that um, our brain is, you know, capable of laying down new pathways. They call it um, neuroplasticity so that it's not as though we're fully hardwired into certain kinds of behaviors, but that we can make choices to begin to change the, the firing and the wiring of our brains such that they can promote our well-being. Uh, there, there are a lot of studies now that are really supporting the fact that things like meditation um, for the average population can be in, uh, remarkably beneficial. It can reduce stress and increase health outcomes. It's, you know, there are ways now that we're not just victims of our genes, but that we can become conscious agents for expressing those genes in ways that are ultimately life-enhancing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And there's some thought out there that we can actually change our genes. Where are you guys with that? Well, the epigenetics literature, I think, is very interesting. It um, is still very new. Uh, but we do know that things like stress, for example, have a, a really big impact on how genes express. Uh, we talk a lot about DNA, you know, that we're the, you know, uh, outcomes of our DNA, but there's also the RNA that is that aspect of the gene that allows for the expression of the gene. And we know that things like our environment, whether it's our psychological environment or our physical environment, influences how those genes express. So we may have a predisposition for a particular kind of disease, for example, that comes through our DNA, but we know that um, the ways in which these genes stimulate protein production is very much dependent on, you know, how our environment informs our state of wellness or, or disease. So I think that it's still um, a kind of burgeoning area where there are a lot more questions and answers about the connection between our consciousness and our gene expression. But we know that, you know, the work of somebody like Bruce Lipton, for example, or Garrett Yant, who's a molecular biologist who works with us and who's a, a microbiologist at the California Pacific Medical Center, you know, his passion is really looking at how consciousness impacts our biological processes in ways that can enhance our well-being. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. That is, that, uh, is just cutting-edge research and very fascinating. But it does indicate that we are not just the hopeless um, victims of our of our genetic makeup and that we are not, and it, whether it's biological or psychological, I certainly have people come in to see me as a therapist and say, well, I'm just hardwired that way. There's nothing I can do about it. And I, my question is, are you sure that you're hardwired that way? Maybe, you know, we want to look at that because I think we get identity mixed up a lot with hardwiring and we can certainly identify with things that aren't really true to who we are. So I think that, that what you're saying is right. Um, I do think that it's probably, 
naive for us to think that, you know, we can change everything, you know, about us. Am I going to grow to be six foot tall? I sort of doubt it, but I mean, people have. Uh, Wink Franklin, who was the former president here at IONS, he described that after he um, left high school and went to college, he actually grew like four inches. You know, after the age where you think, you know, people have done a lot of their growing already. So it's not as though those things are impossible, but there's certain parameters that we work with and that we make peace with, you know, that we, you know, may not be exactly the person that our fantasy life would predict. But there are also ways in which we have, as you said, a lot more uh, control over how we react to things and how we respond to things. So these are opportunities for us. Absolutely, and that perspective makes a big difference. All right, well, we're going to be back in just a few minutes to talk some more with Dr. Schlitz about consciousness and how it can transform your daily living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Sciences 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited. So sign up now to join the IONS Global Community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And I want to make an announcement that we have a, a new sponsor today, the New York Open Center, which is dedicated to nurturing body, mind, and spirit through holistic learning and world culture. 
workshops, classes, and professional trainings, trainings in the arts, holistic health, spiritual inquiry, psychology, and more are offered daily. Faculty this season include Elizabeth Gilbert, Julia Cameron, Anodia Judith, and Thomas Moore, to name just a few. Visit www.opencenter.org to see all that is available at the Open Center, as well as our newly created online opportunities. And you also know that the Authentic Living Show is still being sponsored uh, by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, uh, the CEO of which we're talking to today. IONS is dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. It was founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell and is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And as I said, we're talking today to Dr. Marilyn Schlitz, who is the CEO of IONS, and we're talking about consciousness, what that means, and some of the research that she's been involved in with regard to consciousness and consciousness expansion and what it means to transform. So, Dr. Schlitz, we tend to think that transformed consciousness can only take place in the mystic's world in some profound manner, but you've indicated that consciousness transformation can also occur in the mundane world. So what do you mean by that? Well, I think that the the work we've done at IONS for the last nearly 40 years has been committed to looking at what are the powers and potentials within our consciousness. And when you start speaking of something like potentials, it implies that there are some things we have yet to live into. And so all of us have this possibility of growing and, and expanding our abilities and our uh, skills as good citizens and good parents and good friends and good colleagues. Uh, these are things that we can, we can develop better abilities around and, and can work toward. Um, there's also the sense that um, people can use the everyday experiences of, you know, a carpool, for example, uh, to begin to think about it as a kind of sangha or a, a community of learners that are attempting to live more deeply and to explore more fully and, you know, in your language to, to really have that kind of authentic life and how do we find that authenticity every day. And um, so, you know, I talked about road rage as a kind of spiritual practice where we can look at how we're reacting to things that really aren't about us and, and beginning to kind of recalibrate our own behaviors and our, our own responses to things. Uh, I like to think about opportunities of, you know, dealing with somebody at the checkout counter of a grocery store or the ticket taker at a toll booth as, you know, an opportunity to really be kind to another person, to express your humanness to another person. And, and just in those tiny little ways, we can begin to shift our experiences and to, you know, enhance our life in ways that are, are fulfilling, you know, to see the smile of the ticket taker when you actually said, you know, instead of ignoring this person, you, you greeted them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> These are little things that we can do. Uh, there are also bigger things that happen. You know, people in the work that we did around consciousness transformation uh, and are continuing to do, we, we have taken what was, um, you know, many years of curiosity. Uh, we spent about 15 years really digging deeply in a systematic way into the, the catalyst of transformation. What triggers these kinds of transformations? What sustains them? 
in that process, we um, talked to average householders. Uh, we convened focus groups of teachers who believe that they can facilitate these kinds of transformations. Uh, we did in-depth interviews with 60 masters, including people from the different religious and spiritual traditions, as well as uh, what we saw as kind of emergent new forms that come when somebody like a Michael Harner or an Angelis Arian um, adapt what are different truth systems and begin to form new practices, um, new possibilities. So in all of that, we were really interested in looking at um, how do we change, uh, what facilitates that change, what are the containers or the, the kind of fertilizers we need in order to um, grow ourselves in, in pro-social ways, as well as what are the barriers. And in fact, one of my, my keen interests right now is what are the obstacles that prevent us from making the kinds of changes that we desire in our lives. And, um, and in all of that, we then began to, um, we created a survey instrument and surveyed thousands of people and, and then looked at um, the possibility that people may have measurable changes longitudinally. So we have studied different transformative communities and looked at them over time to see what changes and what was the thing that really helped to uh, invite the change in people's lives. So in all of that, we have identified some common elements across different traditions. So, you know, what does a Catholic priest and a, a Wiccan, um, you know, witch have in common? Well, you know, there was a time when they didn't have much in common. Uh, today, I think that there are different kinds of discourses, the whole cross-traditional uh, inquiry, you know, different comparative religion kinds of conversations that are happening. And so we looked at all of these different traditions, and we looked at what did they have in common. And clearly there were some qualities that people can invite into their lives, things like curiosity and playfulness, um, that paradox, playing with paradox, are things that can help shift our awareness and at least make us aware of the fact that we're not aware of all the things that are going on around us. That's a very important thing. And then we looked at, well, what did these different practices have in common? And we found four things. Um, the first was intention, setting the intention for growth and transformation. Uh, and we know that intention alone is not enough, and they say the road to hell is paved with good intention. So, you know, we know that it's not so simple as just saying, hold the right intention and everything will be great. Uh, the second thing we found was attention and really looking at where and how people place their attention. So is the glass half empty or is it half full? And that's something that is a subjective experience for people. Um, we spent a lot of time looking at what we're not able to attend to. So when we talk about consciousness at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, we're interested in that part of our experience that is our awareness, what we're aware of going on around us, but it's also that part that goes on unconsciously that actually forms our opinions and shapes our perceptions. And so how can we become more aware of what's happening below the threshold of our awareness? So that becomes sort of a second element, attention. The third element that we found that the different transformative traditions held in common uh, was the idea of some kind of um, repetition. So just like working a new muscle group, um, people doing the practices that are affirming of the way they want to be over and over again helps us to create those kind of neural pathways that we talked about earlier where you can begin to um, change the, quote, hardwiring of your brain in ways that are more conducive to the life you want to live into. 
So repetition becomes really important, building new practices, new habits, new behaviors, and then doing them over and over again, even when they feel awkward, uh, because that allows us to become more comfortable with those ways of being. Uh, the fourth thing was guidance. And 99.9% of all the teachers we interviewed talked about the importance of having some kind of teacher or some kind of guidance. And it could be that they read something in a book that inspired them. It could be that they had a teacher who transmitted, there was a kind of transmission for them. Another important piece of the guidance is that these practices that the teachers advocated, uh, particularly things around attention, um, often involve some kind of self-reflection, some kind of meditation practice or contemplative practice. And so recognizing that guidance comes from within us as well as from without. And so it's not all about finding, you know, the wise master on the mountaintop. It's really finding the wise master in our heart and in our soul that will help to guide us toward, you know, the kinds of behaviors we want. And then there's a fifth piece that I like to think of the four elements and then wrapped in the arms of surrender. Because a lot of what happens in the world isn't going to change because we want it to, but what can change is our reactiveness to it and our responsiveness to it. And so yielding to, surrendering to um, what is so, on its own terms, can be a very healing move for people. And so I, I would say that in our book, Living Deeply, The Art and Science of Transformation in Everyday Life, you know, we were really committed to trying to understand what are those practices and how is it that we can really make minor changes that ultimately can lead to very positive, large-scale uh, impacts in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a very clear um five-point plan, intention, attention, repetition, guidance, and surrender. You know, I I wanted to repeat that because uh, you've explained them in detail, but I think just being able to say, okay, A, intention's not enough, but attention is very important, and repetition, like anything we learn, is very important, and guidance, of course, as well. And then that surrender, which is more or less some kind of acceptance to you know, the reality of life, that life is life, and it is what it is. And uh, to be able to say, okay, I can accept that and be at peace with that is huge. It's just yeah. huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've talked also in um, Living Deeply about the portals of transformation and why they work the way they do. Can you talk just a little bit about those? Um, the portals. Yes, the idea we change because of pain, and you mentioned oh. noetic experiences and the teachers and some some ways of receiving the extraordinary in the ordinary, some of those things that you've mentioned in the book. About. Right. So what catalyzes these transformations? Yeah, and yeah that was something that um, we spent a, a lot of time asking people about, and we found that it could be very profound. It could be something that was monumental. You know, Edgar Mitchell, the founder of IONS, as you mentioned, was one of the Apollo 14 astronauts. We've just celebrated the 40th anniversary of the Apollo 14 program this past week. And, you know, knowing that there were just, you know, huge um, collective intentions going into the Apollo program and all the the harnessing of technology and the, the kind of mastery of man over nature that was, was manifest in that program. Um, and Edgar Mitchell, who was the, the pilot who manned the little lunar module um, from the Apollo capsule to the moon and back, uh, was 
able to have the window seat on the way home, as he describes it, and, you know, really had a profound um, kind of dual epiphany. Uh, on one hand, he looked down at the beauty and pristine wonder of planet Earth and, and felt the pain that we as citizens of planet Earth experience on a daily basis and that we inflict upon each other on a daily basis. And he realized that this pain wasn't something inherent in Earth, but was something about the citizens of planet Earth. And that it was really about our consciousness and our worldviews that we needed to understand better and that perhaps the great journey of discovery wasn't outer space, but really inner space. So that was one piece of his epiphany, and the second was this profound sense of unitive consciousness, that there was a oneness, a connectedness, an interconnectedness to all of life, and the molecules in his body were one with the molecules of the solar system, and when you begin to see it that way, you can't feel separate. So these are some of the big ones, and we can come back and talk about some of the smaller ways in which people have experienced these transformations in consciousness. And so we will be back to do just that in just a few minutes with more from Dr. Marilyn Schlitz. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Sciences 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited. So sign up now to join the ION's global community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
we're back talking today to Dr. Marilyn Schlitz, the President and CEO of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and we're talking about consciousness and how people come to new awarenesses. And what we were saying just before the break is that there's ways that we sort of wake up, if you will, to, to a deeper kind of understanding or new perception about life, which we would say that's a consciousness-transforming experience. So we were talking about that, and I want to just sort of give that back to you to, to, to tell us how it is. What are the things that happen that make us wake up in that way? Right. Well, I was t- telling the story about Edgar Mitchell as uh, an example of somebody who had a kind of noetic experience, an experience of direct knowing that, that really changed his life profoundly. But, you know, you could say, well, he went to the moon, you know, how, how relevant is that to my life? And what we found is that um, the kinds of experiences people reported could be that profound. You know, Edgar's story is, you know, one of a, a handful of people who've had that. But there are also people who have had some kind of experience in the context of meditation, for example, or a walk in nature, um, an opportunity to play with a child and to feel the, their heart open in a new way. These are all catalysts. So you can have these positive transformational tools uh, that, that can help trigger it, but the vast majority of people report these kinds of experiences coming from some kind of pain. Um, So they talk about um, a disease or um, the death of a loved one, a divorce, the loss of a job, Uh, these kinds of things that disrupt our steady state and that really shake us up. Uh, And I think part of the work we've been trying to do at IONS is uh, to understand how we can invite these kinds of transformations in without having to experience that kind of deep disruption in our lives and and that we can really begin to think about cultivating um, positive activities in our life, you know. And many people describe things like gardening or tending the roses. Uh, And if it's done with those qualities I mentioned before, the intention, attention, repetition, and guidance, if it's done with that kind of mindfulness and awareness brought to whatever the action is, that can be a tool of transformation and can ultimately lead to a very, you know, positive experience for people. We, in the work that we've done, have created um, a change model, and we call it a noetic change model uh, because we see that uh, for the vast majority of people, transformations in our sense of who we are and what has purpose and meaning to us, even our values, um, typically change through some direct personal experience. I mean, you can read about the data in a scientific journal, and that may or may not have a personal impact on you. But it's often the case that if somebody goes through some kind of experiential practice where they really feel it, that that can have deep and lasting impact on them. We also learned from our research that it's very important to have um, a community that support the work. So, for example, one of the things that we saw is that People talked a lot about practice, and they talked about maybe going to a church or to a dojo or to a synagogue or wherever it was that they felt they could have these kinds of transformative um, moments of healing. And yet... Uh, it wasn't lasting, and they would have these experiences that either, you know, on one day of the week, I choose to go have this practice, but every other day I'm running around like crazy. And what 
the teachers helped us to understand is that um, it was important to go through that process of learning the practice and doing the work on your own. But it's also vitally important to begin to move your, your practice into everyday life. So that you're, many of the, the teachers talked about getting off the pillow and getting out into practice. So it's where the rubber meets the road. It's when you're dealing with a difficult colleague at work and you just have a hard time, you know, not getting reactive with that person. Or, you know, you have a child who's just pushing every button you have. You know, those become the learning opportunities. And so it's taking it out into life and then it's finding community that can support your inquiry and your process. And that becomes really vital. Uh, One of the things also that people talked about is having reminders of what it is you want to grow into. So um, people have those little bobble-headed Buddhas on the dashboard of their car, and is that just some popular culture, you know, iconography, or is that really a very powerful tool for helping us to remember that that's what we want to live into? We want to live into loving kindness and non-reactiveness and compassion and empathy. You know, so those reminders become powerful. Uh, Brother David Stendelrast is one of the teachers that we worked with, and he's a, a Benedictine monk. And uh, his work is really about gratefulness meditation. And uh, it's a beautiful practice and something that I've been doing for at least 30 years now. And has been incredibly helpful to me. But he described an experience of going to Africa. And every time he experienced clean drinking water, he felt profound gratefulness for this. And so then he came home to uh, his monastery and he was able to um, go to the tap and turn on the water and drink some clean water. And he felt very grateful for having that, you know, the, the plumbing. And so something that we take for granted every day became an object of his meditation, just having clean drinking water. But he found that after a couple of days, he started forgetting to be grateful for the drinking water and just turned on the tap, drank the water, and continued on. So he started putting these little yellow stickums all over his his house so that it would remind him. And when he habituated to the stickums, he'd move them around so that it would catch him by surprise. Uh, so these are little tools that you can think about. Here's a master who's been doing it for, you know, many decades, and he still needs to be reminded to practice in the way that he desires. And so it's, you know, it's sobering, I think, to recognize that, you know, some of these teachers are lonely, that they're looking for, you know, ways to um, embody it themselves, and that there are no easy answers for a lot of this. Absolutely. It's a total process for all of us, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I, can, I don't mind sharing an uh, experience from my own life. There, uh, I used to, um, many years ago, I had this little stamping thing that I wanted to do when I didn't get my way at, the, at a clerk's or counter or something I was trying to buy or some bill I was trying to pay or something like that. I would have this little minor temper tantrum, <laughs> and it was not pretty, and I didn't like that about myself. And I, so over the years, what's happened, and it really has evolved. It's not something I've pushed, really, so much as it's evolved as a part of my meditation and all that. Now, when I go to a counter, I remember that same feeling I had of trying to get somebody to do something that I wanted them to do, and then the other feeling of looking deeply into somebody's eyes, a clerk's eyes, or, and, you know, or cash, cashier's eyes, and being able to just recognize their humanity and mine and sort of 
connecting on that level and and having an entirely different experience and one that's actually even joyous. So those transformative things do, yeah, like you've said, they come through pain and they do come and they come through practice. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, well, you've also talked a little bit about how that it does need to move into life. It's not just a prescription for being more spiritual, but a prescription for actually providing a roadmap for life itself. Right. Um, Well, I think that, you know, people beginning to look at their own lives. We, in the book, um, the Living Deeply book, we have a uh, life mapping exercise. Actually, there are exercises at the end of every chapter for people to begin to, you know, bring these principles into um, their own experience. But the life mapping is a really great exercise, uh, and we invite people to just, you know, take a piece of paper and block it off in, you know, five-year increments. And then go back and look at those points in your life where there were these moments where you were able to, you know, feel pain but then went back into the suffering. Or you were able to experience some shakeup and see the value of it. And then now looking back on your life to begin to see that there were these little triggers over time that helped to lead to a moment where you were able to articulate a different definition of what was important to you, what had value to you. Um, where do you want to place your time and your attention? Is it, you know, on your, on your work and um, on your success or is it on your family and your friends? You know, where, you know or finding the balance between those um, so that it's not an either-or. All of these things became really um, important for us as we were doing the research and trying to understand how it is that, you know, we could help people to see small ways that they could make changes in their life. Mm-hmm. And you also talk about moving from an I consciousness to a we consciousness, and we just have a few minutes. We may have to come back to this after the break, but I wanted to sort of get started on that idea some of us feel like if we have a we, com- uh, we consciousness that there erases the specter of competition, and it, and it can also be confusing, particularly in the world of this sort of niche world that we live in, of the new age spirituality, where understanding the law of attraction is that we're about to be to, we're supposed to be about the business of attaining our dreams, but then how do we put a we into that? And so, can you talk just a little bit about moving from an I consciousness to a we consciousness? We just wrote a a paper that appeared in the Journal of Consciousness Studies, and it was on sort of a a developmental model of um, social consciousness. And so how do we begin to live into that transition from it's all about me, um, avoid it's all about we, and get to a healthy me in relationship to the we? Mm -hmm. So um, we were looking at the idea that um, oftentimes as people are engaging in spiritual or transformative practice, it is um, an individual journey, and people are really looking at their own personal growth and development. Uh, They're looking to better themselves in various ways, and, and those things are great. But we also want to begin to think about how we invite in the we. Yeah. We'll talk some more about that after the break. We'll be back again in just a minute with more from Dr. Marilyn Schlitz. So stay tuned for this last segment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. 
Mark your calendar for the Institute of Noetic Sciences 14th Biennial Conference, Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming, July 20th to the 24th at the Weston Market Street Hotel in the heart of San Francisco. Deepak Chopra, Edgar Mitchell, Joanna Macy, and others will help you navigate a world transforming. Registration is now open and space is limited. So sign up now to join the IONS Global Community in July 2011. For more information, go to www.noetic.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Well, we are in our final segment with uh, Dr. Marilyn Schlitz now, and I want to, before we do anything else, I want to make sure that we get an opportunity to hear from you, Dr. Schlitz, about what um, what kinds of things, what events you've got coming up, what things you're working on now, and, and maybe ways that the audience can connect with you and or IONS if you'd like to do that. Well, that's great, and it's very consistent with where we were going in terms of talking about this shift from the me to the we and then looking at the, the healthy relationship between those two. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is um, having a big conference. It's the 14th International Conference. It'll be in San Francisco, July 20th through the 24th, and uh, we're calling it Noetic 2.0, Tools and Technologies for a World Transforming. And when we talk about tools and technologies, we're really talking about inner tools and technologies, ways that we can harness our own consciousness, our worldview, our belief systems, our way of engaging each other uh, in ways that will help to facilitate a better future. 
Uh, and so that's, that's a really important event, and we're going to have an amazing lineup of people uh, talking about, you know, transformation and healing. Rachel Remen will be with us. Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut. Deepak Chopra is one of our plenary speakers who's doing a workshop. Brian Swim, a, an amazing cosmologist. Rupert Sheldrake, a scientist. Joanna Macy. So it's going to be a fantastic lineup and an opportunity for people to come together in community and, and think about um, how we can learn together to create a better future. Another project that we're working on that we're very excited about is what we call worldview literacy. And the idea being that a literacy is um, a skill set or a capacity and that understanding our worldview, uh, our worldviews, becomes really uh, catalytic for people to, to make these transformations, recognizing that we see the world through a lens of perception and that that worldview is defined by many things from our life experiences, our culture, our religion, our ethnicity, you know, many things inform it, uh, and that we don't just have to be victims of it. And so we've taken a lot of the research that we've done around consciousness transformation and created a curriculum for students, K through 12, and uh, we've been piloting it in various classrooms uh, and some colleges now and really seeing that young people in both affluent schools as well as really economically challenged schools benefit from these kind of reflective tools of self-inquiry. You know, how can I make sense of my life and, and how can I develop skills that will allow me to be a better citizen? So those are some of the things we're doing through our Worldview Literacy Program. Um, the Institute of Noetic Sciences has sort of three principal elements to it. Uh, one is the basic science research where we're really interested in understanding the nature of consciousness. And uh, we have a laboratory where we do a variety of different experiments. Uh, one of the projects that we've just been funded to do is looking at the nature of awe and what happens in our minds and bodies when we experience awe and wonder. Uh, how does that inform us? How does that transform us? Uh, we're also very interested in looking at this issue of interconnectedness and um, recognizing that the dominant paradigm talks a lot about separation and that ultimately we live in a very lonely society that is all about, you know, us operating as individuals. How do we begin to shift that into something that at a fundamental philosophical level uh, can see the, the connections between us. And so some of the basic science research that we're doing looks at the connection between mind and matter, for example, uh, and has been producing some amazing results. Dean Radin is a senior scientist here and doing some remarkable work. Uh, the second area that we do work on is translating our science and the evidence-based perspective into educational programs. So we have lifelong learning. Uh, we have continuing education for health and healing practitioners. We offer, you know, uh, credits for nurses and social workers to uh, get the insights from the noetic perspective and to then apply that in their life and their work. Uh, and then the Worldview Literacy Project, which is aimed toward um, youth and really beginning to translate this for them. We have a, a beautiful 200-acre campus and a retreat center called Earthrise, where we offer transformative workshops every day, all the time, uh, different teachers doing different things that are really about promoting the common good. And so those are all within the domain of our educational programs. And then the third thing is really helping to link 
to a global learning community. So we have a membership. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has a, uh, a tiered membership with free members uh, being warmly welcome and lots of opportunities to interact with us through our, our new website and uh, the various communications devices and vehicles that we have. Uh, and we also have the uh, community group network where we have people who come together in their homes or in their community centers uh, to talk about these noetic topics together and to form that kind of community that can help to create tipping points. So it's, it's you know, the research, it's the education, and then it's the, the cultivation of a global learning community that can together begin to shift the paradigm towards something that is more just, compassionate, and sustainable. Wow. That is, um, you know, one of the things you said there about the uh, uh, worldview literacy is just like one of my dreams. I want so bad to see young people be trained in, in understanding themselves and being able to look inward, and that's just something that's not taught. I'm so glad that you guys are doing that. I didn't know you were, and I'm so glad you are. That's wonderful. It's an amazing program, and if you go on the noetic.org website and you go under education, uh, you'll see there's a tab for worldview literacy, and if you pull that up under resources, there are some videos of the kids talking about their experiences of the training. Uh, and they, it's just mind-blowing to hear, you know, a kid who was a gang member who because of, you know, a number of things, we can't say it was all caused by our training, but he credits our training with really helping him to see that that wasn't the way he wanted to live his life and to become a mentor to younger people so that he could help them, you know, to avoid the, the pitfalls that he had lived through in his own experience. So it's a beautiful thing, and the website is a remarkable resource for people. So noetic.org, uh, we have all these teleseminars that are available to people to listen to and um, an archive of writings and, you know, tools that people can use. We have online experiments to come in and, you know, play some of the games and participate in some of the online experiments with us. All kinds of opportunities to connect to noetic sciences. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for doing that. I really appreciate your effort and your energy that went into that and, and to the Noetic uh, Institute as well. Thank you very much for doing that. And thank you for being on the show today. We've enjoyed talking with you. It's my pleasure, and I really appreciate the work you're doing. I think, you know, getting the word out and helping people to find resources is such a very powerful contribution. Well, thank you. Thank you for your support of our program. And next week we're going to be talking to Corrine McLaughlin about some practical techniques that you can use to change yourself and your world. You don't want to miss that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.